0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. How are you? How are you breathing? How are you feeling? What do you smell right now? Right now I smell uh, tons of roses because it's a Yesterday was Michelle's birthday, March 3rd, today is March 4th, and I bought her a dozen roses and her mom bought her 42 roses. So the place smells very florally, is that a word, florally? Um, today I want to talk about my beard. Yeah, my beard. I have a. a, I'll be forty-five on March eighteenth, and you know, with turning forty-five, comes a lot of grays in the beard. And so many comedians have come up to me saying, "Leo, gotta dye that beard. It's getting gray. You're looking old. Hollywood doesn't like old." gotta look young, gotta look young on the camera. I even have friends, um, clients, people say, oh, let me just pluck all those grays out of your beard. And I gotta be honest, I like, I like the grays. I think it, it adds a little character, shows a little flavor. And I bring this all up to say, not not to talk about my beard, even though it's looking so fresh and so clean, because I, I just, you know, fresh out the barbershop. So uh, uh, it's, it's looking gorgeous. It's looking magnificent, the beard is, even with the grays. But the other reason why I'm not going to dye my beard is it's a reminder. It's a reminder that Life isn't binary. It's not black and white. It's not this or that. You read all these BuzzFeed articles about eat this, not that. Do this, not that. This is good. That's bad. Either you're with me or you're against me. Democrat, Republican. Vegan killer, like everything is split up into this side or that side. Either, uh, oh, oh, Star Wars? Um, <laughs> uh, the dark side, come on over to the dark side. Which is interesting because even though the Bible, they talk about purgatory, that middle ground. And even visually, a- as I look around, The world isn't binary. Just if you think about it visually, the world is full of color. The world is full of scales and shades and hues and tones. So why are we feeling like It's either this or that, all or nothing. Either I'm a complete failure or I'm a god. What I'm really talking about is, uh, in psychology, they call it cognitive distortions. And I'm actually working on this myself with my therapist, you know, addressing my Cognitive distortions, my all or nothing thinking, my black and white thoughts. And for a lot of us, it's, uh, it, it, makes, it, it makes it harder to have compassion for ourselves. It allows us really to beat ourselves up when we don't measure up to that perfect idea of ourselves. We either get an A or F. I'm, a, I'm an amazing parent or I'm the worst. And a lot of us have all or nothing thinking. We, uh, sometimes we're not able to, to recognize it. Sometimes it sounds like I eat great during the day, but I always binge at night. So you'll hear words like always, never, perfect, it's ruined, it's impossible. If you find yourself using those words, that's that's an indicator that you're using that all or nothing thinking. You know, especially with me and food, it's like I just downed a row of Oreos. Well, I guess my diet is ruined. It's a wrap. There goes the year. And then when things get a little tough, you know, it's like, it's impossible to keep this diet going now. I'll start again and then give it my full attention. So we keep using these impossibles, these perfects, these always, these nevers. And, you know, a lot of it comes from what we take in from media, from music. I was listening to a song the other day and it was like uh, something about you never answer you know, you know it, it's the, it's so emotional it's so emotional and then we start repeating that that stuff in our heads and and then we start thinking like that and talking like that and you never pick up when i call you're always late that all or nothing thinking so i'm keeping the grays in my beard to remind myself that there are hues and shades to that, and I know you're listening. And you're like Leo, but what do I do? How do I, how do I address this all or nothing thinking? It, it sounds like a thing that I do, especially like if you if you journal and you look in your journal, you might find a lot of those always and nevers and impossibles and ruins. And this is the worst day ever. The whole day was the worst day. So the first thing you want to do basically is. Be able to, to spot it, to be aware of when you're using the all or nothing thinking, which we usually do in arguments when we are emotional or heightened or upset or triggered or even excited. You know, it, all or nothing thinking could even be, this is the best day ever. I'll always love you. I wrote a, a card to Michelle. For a birthday, and said, "I love you." Dot dot dot. Sometimes, just a reminder that uh, <laughs> there there are shades and hues and gray areas, right? The second thing we can do to address our all or nothing thinking is to describe the trigger. What what triggered that the the response to all or nothing thinking the this always you know it could be pressure at work or school it could be uh procrastination you know like putting a project off to the last minute it could be waking up late you know or maybe you had an argument at home these are certain things that can trigger us into that all or nothing thinking i know i get it when um a a cyclist you know cuts me off or something or and I'm like, all oh, you cyclists. I, I use the word all, all the cyclists. You know, I just lump them all together. It's just one cyclist in front of me. But I'm like, oh, you always cut me up. You know, I become that old, that old man in the car yelling. The third thing you want to be able to do is after you've identified the, the trigger is capture the stories that, you know, what's the narrative you're telling yourself around it, you know? Like, and it, it's like, like, it's, it is impossible to keep this diet going right now. I'll start again when I can give it my full attention. Um, you could also think this always happens. That's why I've never been able to stick to the diet, that kind of thing. So what's that narrative? You know, basically it's how are you justifying the, the behavior, you know, to, to catch that? And then the fourth thing you can do is, what are the emotions that that story triggers for you? A lot of times when I go, oh, I always eat um, Pop-Tarts, then uh, that usually leads me to a feeling of hopelessness and uh, despair. And then I go into this shame and guilt of like I did something wrong. And, uh, you know, uh, what's Michelle gonna think? And then I think, I'm going to have diabetes tomorrow because I, ate, I just ate 50 grams of sugar. It just becomes a spiraling effect, and I feel overwhelmed and frustrated. And So what are the emotions when you start spiraling down and, and, and telling yourself a, a story around your behaviors? What are the emotions that go with that? when you you might even feel a sense of uh, relief, right? That you can finally come up for air and avoid the discomfort of change. So a lot of times we fall into this all-or-nothing thinking and these feelings of hopelessness, and there's a relief because it's like, well, th- that'll never change, so I guess I'm stuck. And there's kind of a relief with that of like uh, you know I don't I don't have any responsibilities. It's not my fault. It's just the thing that I always do. It's what I always say. I always eat that. I always fall off the wagon. And, and so there's a relief of of just saying, "Well, it's out of my control." You know me. It's what I do. And so to notice that, and 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 be able to catch that. And like I said, it's not about like, oh, which emotion should I be feeling? It's just recognizing how you feel about the story that you're telling yourself. And then when you get to step five, you want to describe the result of your thoughts and emotions, right? It's like your thought was, you know, if you're initially your thought was it's impossible to keep this diet going. I'll start again when I have time to give it my full attention. And that thought triggered feelings of being overwhelmed, frustrated, angry, along with despair. Now when you look at the action you take as a result of your thoughts and emotions, it's easy to see what will happen next. You're going to quit your diet. And once we see how the actions we take are a result of our thoughts plus emotions, the question becomes, how do you change your thoughts? Changing your thoughts creates different emotions, emotions that will drive the results you actually want. To change your initial thoughts, you must challenge and replace them with an alternate thought, right? So an alternate thought could be like, or a way to challenge your initial thoughts could sound something like, is this thought a true statement? Is it really impossible to stick to your diet? Does success really mean you have to dedicate 100% of your time and attention? Is there anyone in a position like mine that has been able to keep their diet going? If your brother, mother, or daughter asked how can they stick to a diet when things get busy, would your advice to them be that it is impossible? So when we ask ourselves these questions, Oh, oh! Now we're challenging. We're not just on on autopilot. We're not just on standby. We're, we're not just uh, falling back to our default mode. We're challenging. We're like, hold on. Is this is this true? Is it really impossible? And this is why I love to read fiction books because. You get to, when you read fiction books, especially really good fiction, um, you get to read about people who are overcoming immense obstacles and challenges. And and you get to see the story arc of a, of a human being. It's also why I love to read bios because you get to see someone and read about someone who started off here and what their journey really looked like. And and you get to see that their journey was full of gray full of shades and hues and had a uh, a bountiful color palette of their life. It wasn't just black and white, not just all or nothing, not just you're with me or against me. There's, a, there's, a, there's complexity to life. That's why I love, that's the joy of walking out in nature. It's a reminder that when you look at a, a plant or even a even just one flower, I, you know, it's, it's beautiful to look at a dozen roses or 42 roses, but even just looking at one rose, the amount of, the fact that it smells so beautiful and looks so lovely, and yet it has thorns, and yet it'll cut you and let you bleed, and not even flinch. You know, if you you grab a rose by the stem, and then your hand gets all bladed up, that that rose doesn't go, I'm sorry. The rose just keeps on being a rose. And you might ask, why? Why am I holding on to this all or nothing thinking? Why do I fall into these always and nevers, and uh, either you're with me or against me, and if you just do it my way, there are advantages to, to having that type of mindset, right? Because when you when we fall into that mindset of the all or nothing thinking, then we don't have to face the discomfort of sticking to a plan. We don't have to worry about finding a recipe to cook. Uh, you don't have to worry about thinking ahead of time. You don't have to tell your friends or be accountable to anybody, you don't have to engage with life. You don't have to engage with effort. Gratitom ferociter. It's Latin for step-by-step, ferociously. If we engage in all-or-nothing thinking, and we don't have to worry about gratitude ferocity. We don't have to take any steps. We can just lay on a couch and just let our, our, our schoolwork, our diet, our relationships, we can just let it all crumble. Because that's what was going to happen Anyway. After we've challenged our thoughts, the last step is to replace the old thought of, this always happens. This will never, this will never, this will never happen. It's impossible. I'll always feel like this. We can replace that with thoughts like, I'd You know, and also it could be, I don't have any friends. I'm always broke. The, the government's taking everything. I'll never find someone. But we can replace those all or nothing, those black and white thoughts with, the goal is progress, not perfection. If I fail, at least I'm failing forward. Mistakes are proof of progress. I've never been one to turn down a challenge. I don't look back and I don't look forward. Right now, the only thing that matters is focusing on this one choice. So for you, when you find yourself in that all or nothing thinking, that black and white, and you forget about the complexities, and you you forget about the grays, and and the pinks, and the oranges, and the and the blues and the sky blue and the mountain blue and the aquamarines and the opals and the fuchsias and the and those dark forest greens. Take some time to, to write down what your response is going to be. And if right now you're feeling upset or emotional or you're all up in your feelings, this is not the time. You just want to stabilize right now. You're just trying to breathe. You're just working on being. But if right now you feel calm, you feel grounded, you're aware, this is the time to use that prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of your brain, because right now you have access to it. You're calm. You're present. And and now you have time to think because once we get triggered, once we get upset, once there's a uh, an event that happens that that throws us off track a little bit, we're, we're, it's it's too late for us to think. It's going to be too challenging, too hard because this this is a habit that is going to take time to develop to to catch those all or nothing thoughts and reel it back in because we know that. One of the the the, uh, the overall uh, pervasive themes, when we look at suicidality, is this sense of perfectionism, of of either, you know, trying to live up to a standard, or trying to pull ourselves, uh, or, or, or trying to um, uh, counter counter the standard I, I'm that's not the right word I was looking for for men it's usually men or people with uh, a more masculine energy let's go with that uh, is usually trying to live up to a standard and, and trying to reach those ideas of society and family and things like that and and so you, you have this idea of I have to I have to be these things and I have to achieve this and be perfect and for women, or people with more feminine, it could be uh, like you, maybe you don't want to live up to the ideas and things like that. So you go the you, you want to go the opposite direction and find your own way. But if your way, if you're thinking, uh, you're, if you're really one of those type A, I got to check these things off my box. I have to live up to the. I have to meet all these expectations. I'm feeling overwhelmed and, and I am feeling like a burden. Remind yourself that the goal is progress. 1%. Especially if you're an adult. You know, I was watching Tom Brady, and I've mentioned this before. He, he only practices becoming 1% better. When I take guitar lessons, my guitar teacher is not trying to have me practice an entire song. That's too much to chew. It's too much to handle. She gives me two notes. She goes, I just want you to work on transitioning from E minor to B minor. E minor to B minor. That's it. Seven to 30 minutes a day. It's really, it's really, What's really important is that you focus on that 1% going from E minor to B minor Every day, seven to 30 minutes per day. So that's what I drill down on. I'm not trying to learn, uh, um, uh, uh, God, what, what's the name of the song? I was trying to come up with some Spanish song, but I, I can't remember any right now at the top of my head. I forget the uh, mor- Moringa, uh, Besame Mucho, but that's not a complicated uh, Latin song. There's some other ones, anyway. So just f- ask yourself, what's the one percent that you can drill down on, and and focus on that, so that you don't you're not too caught up in and trying to be perfect. When we change our thoughts, we can change our actions. Andrew Huberman, a neuroscientist, uh, really believes in changing our behaviors first. And I love that. Change your behaviors, and then that changes your thoughts and changes your actions, that I I think it's all one loop. It basically starts somewhere. And if you're feeling like you have a lot of all or nothing thinking, a lot of black and white thinking, then start with that. And you could always Google cognitive distortions, all or nothing thinking, black and white thinking, to find other ways to uh, manage it and cope with it and deal with it and learn more about it. I really want this podcast, this episode, I don't want this to be the all or nothing. I don't want your, your homework, your curiosity to stop here. I'm, I'm hoping to, to feed you something that gets you interested in the next thing. Lastly, um, I was reading this article. I I was thinking about this black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking, because I'm reading an article in the New York Times today about, what is it called? It's called How to Reach People Who Are Wrong (laughs) by Nicholas Kristof. And uh, in the article, he talks about Adam Grant was an organizational psychologist at wharton and has a new smart book has a smart new book out advising us to think again that's the name of the book think again and you can get it on amazon i'll link to it in the show notes and he said that you know he's talking about persuading people and being an influence on people and a lot of times we think that um the way uh, oh, well a lot of times we think that if we just prove to people that we're right or you got to pick my side or your side and that's the way to win them over, or get them to, to, to see our side of things. Um, but the research shows that what wins people over is listening, asking questions and appealing to their values, not your own. And I bring that up to say that it's not just about how do you win other people over. It's about how to win yourself over if we're able to listen, if we're able to recognize our all-or-nothing thinking and listen to what are the words that we're using—is it always impossible? Is it never? And then ask ourselves questions that goes back to challenging the thoughts, asking ourselves questions: Is that true? Is that always true? Or is it? Am I never? Is there evidence that uh, it is possible? Like asking ourselves more questions and and then. Uh, appealing to your values is like, what do I value here? Do I value health? All right, so then what does that look like? So that you don't get too caught up in a spiraling of, of this thing that you did that now has you feeling shame and guilt and despair, right? So Adam Grant cites evidence for complexifying issues so they become less binary and more nuanced enabling someone on the other side to acknowledge areas of ambivalence. So complexifying issues, i I give you an example. You know, um, the other day I I ate some Pop-Tarts. I ate a bunch of Pop-Tarts and some cookies. I was like, what's going on here? And then I I realized, like, okay, because I started to catch myself with the all or nothing thinking, like, I always think like this, and I'm I'm never, uh, you know, Gonna be able to eat healthy and and stay on track and et cetera et cetera. And then I realized, okay, this is a complex issue. What's the, what are the nuances here? One is uh, I, I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, even though I went to bed at my regular time. I woke up in the middle of the night and then was just up for for two hours. So, and we know that when we're up, that can uh, when we don't get enough sleep, that can trigger. Carb craving. So then that goes to the triggering event. I didn't get enough sleep. And then because I didn't get enough sleep, I also didn't drink a lot of water, um, which is ironic. Because and, and the reason is, is when we sleep and get into those deep REM cycles is when we lose a lot of liquid. So then we end up being thirsty through the day. But because I was up, I didn't lose as much liquid and I didn't feel the need to drink as much water. And so, you know, being sleepy and thirsty and I was, uh, you know, I, I eat at the same times pretty much every day, and I missed that meal time, and so then my cravings became um, overwhelming, and and I just fell to the lowest common denominator, and I was stressed out about a couple of things, so it was a complex issue. There were so many things at play at that moment, and it was in clicking through the complexity of the issues that I had compassion for myself and what typically would have been uh, a a ridiculously uh, you know, three, four days of binging turned into a very short lived, uh, you know, few moments of, of binging. And so I was proud of myself and I patted myself on the back. So Learn to pat yourself on the back. Catch yourself doing good, right? Catch yourself being on track. I don't like the word doing good, but catch yourself when you when you do something that's effective or when, when you, uh, you know, check a few things off the list or you find yourself moving in the direction that you want to. Pat yourself on the back. Kudos. High five. Give yourself a thumb up. Uh. Also in his New York Times article, he talks about uh, researchers find that it is easier for people to reach agreement on difficult issues if they have been prepped to see the world as complicated and full of grays. So here, when you think about your all or nothing thinking, think about your childhood and the messages you received from your parents. Did they use the all or nothing black and white type of thinking? Or did they show you how complicated and full of grays the world is so that you get a sense of where your thoughts and ideas have come from? When you think about the music you listen to, listen out for that all or nothing black and white thinking and the TV shows when, when you watch people arguing, you'll often hear that type of, of, of thinking. You always, I never, it's impossible. Because the truth is, it's a painstaking and frustrating process of building trust, keeping people from becoming defensive and slowly ushering them to a new place. But it can be done. And I hope this episode was uh, beneficial for you. I hope you took something away. And I hope that you continue the conversation with yourself and remain In awe, remain in curiosity, remain engaged. Pain, when we feel pain, that is not the time to take our foot off the pedal and and let whatever happens happen. It's It's a time to explore our curiosity, to ask more questions, to go a little deeper. And hopefully, if you go for a walk today or explore the world, You'll notice the colors and the hues and the shapes and the sizes and the and the nuances of the life around you. Remember, this episode is not a substitute for going to get help for calling the one eight hundred S U I C I D E or one 273 talk. You can always go to ThriveWithLeo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. If you're a corporate exec who is thriving and killing it at work, but you feel alone and abandoned um, and struggling to find meaning at home, go to ThriveWithLeo.com, and let's get to tomorrow together.